Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to be looking at a couple passages this morning, starting in Proverbs, and then we'll be going to Romans. And the message takes a little bit of a turn, I guess, maybe, but yet I think you'll understand how it kind of fits together. So in Matthew 24, starting at verse 16, it says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. A number of years ago, uh, I can't even tell you exactly what it was, but I was probably late teens, 21 maybe, somewhere, and I'm not sure. Um, I had lived some time away from God in rebellion, and I had come back to God, but yet I was, uh, I guess, maybe afraid to take some steps to really complete that um, coming back to God in the church and so forth and repenting and so forth. And, and I think I maybe have shared this before, but Floyd Stutzman, a minister here, some of you would have remembered, some of you wouldn't know, but he came up to me at the IBF meetings and he asked me a little bit about my life and he had been a good encouragement to me and asked me if I didn't want to take a few more steps in my walk and I said well I said I'm afraid if I do I'll just fail again and fall and I was just afraid of failure and he said a just and I didn't know where he I didn't know where it was at in the Bible at the time but he said a just man falls seven times and gets back up he said if you fall again you just get back up again that's what you do and that encouraged me to go further and make some things right, and, and I was thankful for that. And I pre- I've never forgotten exactly where we were standing when he told me that. It was, it was just one of those things that stuck out to me. So I don't know where you're at this morning. If you feel like you failed a time or two, or maybe you feel like seven times, if it only had been seven times, we could get back up. But it's been more than that. And so maybe you're struggling with that this morning. And I don't even know if I should quote him because of his view of of, of God, but Edison, I think, said something like, uh, he didn't fail in his inventing, he just found 10,000 ways that it didn't work when he was inventing something. It wasn't that he failed, he just figured out ways that didn't work. And maybe that's kind of a secular way to look at it, but I do think sometimes in our lives we stumble and fall, and maybe it's a good way to learn that way doesn't work. And too often we're trying to do it on our own. And I think sometimes that failure is the best road to success, especially in our spiritual lives. Sometimes it takes failure for us to really recognize that we can't do it. We need God to do it. And that is how then we become successful in our walk with God, if we, if we can fail and not stay there. Not that we want to fail, not that we want to make mistakes, not that we want to do those things, but sometimes that's how we learn to rely on God, like Kevin shared in his devotional this morning. I thought that fit in very well with this. So if you're uh, 
failing or if you're struggling, I would say don't give up. Give it to God and get back up one more time, one more time. I think someone said that the best way to succeed is to get up one more time and and make it work. Don't stop. But then in this passage, and this is where I want to shift a little bit in the message, it says right after this verse about getting back up, rejoice not when thine enemy faileth. Do you ever see someone else fail and almost take heart in it? Almost like, aha, that'll teach them. I knew that was coming. Yeah, it's what they get. It's what they deserve. And so we tend to rejoice in it. God says here not to do that. If your enemy fails, don't rejoice. Now, I don't know if any of you have enemies or not. You might say, I don't think I have any enemies. I don't know. I, I just All I know is that Jesus said, love your enemies, so you might have some. You've got to love them. And so it could be that you have some enemies or some people maybe, maybe that don't like you very well or maybe even hate you, done bad things to you, have said bad things to you. And when they fail, how do you respond to that? Does it give you some sense of joy knowing that people that have maybe hurt you, have said things to you, whatever it might be? There's a lot of ways that people can discourage us along in life where we, we start to hold them at arm's length and we, are, we don't like them. They're just not our favorite person anymore. Do we look at their failures the same as we would a close friend or a family member if they fail? Or are there different feelings because we're almost happy with the fact that they have failed? Turn now to Romans chapter 12. And I think maybe it's not been too long ago, maybe one of the ministers, maybe Dwayne had shared a little bit out of some of these verses, but um, I felt led to go here this morning. Corresponding with what we're seeing there in Proverbs. So in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start looking at um, verse 3. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll come down and and break it down a little bit from there. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another, having then gifts differing, to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love not be with 
Out, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, <clears throat> distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In the first part of this passage here, he mentions that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. In other words, we, we have this tendency to think, I'm better than other people. I'm, I can get this done. I know how it ought to be done. I know, you know, if, if everybody would just think exactly like I do, why, everything would be great. You know, we'd, we'd, it would, things would flow better if it would just be that way. And he says that prior to looking at the fact that there are different gifts within the brotherhood. And he lists a number of them here. And we can look at different passages that list different gifts and I'm not going to go through all of these gifts and necessarily try to explain all of them, but there are a number of different gifts here that he talks about. And all, it says, are we're members of the body of Christ. There's a reason we have these different gifts. There's a reason they're in the brotherhood. There's a reason that people think differently. And there's a reason that God wants it that way. God says that he has set the members in the body. Why? Because it pleased him. Not because it pleases me, not because it pleases you, not because it pleases someone else, because it pleases him. And so we have these different gifts <clears throat> within the brotherhood. And are some gifts more important than others? I don't think so. I think they're all there for a purpose. But if everybody just had my gift, wow. Wow. No, it'd be a mess if everybody just had my gift, or everybody just had your gift, or everybody just, no, it wouldn't work that way. And so why do you think he says here, right after this, <clears throat> to, to love each other like he does? Now, it's interesting, he does say that for everyone, we are supposed to do a couple of things. It doesn't matter what gift you have. He says, abhor that which is evil, this is verse 9, cleave to that which is good. And right before that, he says, love each other without hypocrisy. Don't just act like you're loving each other. Actually love each other. That's always easy to do in the brotherhood, right? I'm thinking this morning primarily of the brotherhood. I'm not thinking about necessarily the people out there, your neighbor that plowed two feet over the fence line this year or you're somebody else that you know yelled at you and tried to run you off the road or somebody that stole ten dollars off of you what i'm thinking brotherhood 
hopefully those things don't happen within the brotherhood. But I'm thinking, <clears throat> I'm thinking this morning of, of in the brotherhood. Sometimes it's not as easy to love people as we as it ought to be. Or maybe it maybe it's not even supposed to be easy to love people. I don't know. Maybe we're just supposed to do it anyway, right? God loves us and says we ought to love one another because God Jesus loved us, gave himself for us. So he says, don't let love be in hypocrisy. In other words, don't just come and say you love everybody, just love them. And love doesn't mean that we accept evil, because he says right after that, we, we hate evil, <clears throat> abhor that which is evil. No matter what gift you have, that has to be a given. And cleave to that which is good and right. That is what we do no matter what our gift is. But right after that, again, he says, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. That sounds, and I think some of these words actually can mean basically, it's, it's like a parent is affectionate to their children. There's that special bond, that special love. <clears throat> one to another with brotherly love, preferring one another, preferring one another with their gifts, preferring one another with their quirks, preferring one another even if they don't think exactly like I do, as long as it's not evil. Cleave to that which is good, abhor that which is evil, but <clears throat> be kindly affection one to another. And then he says, not slothful in business. And I don't know if you're thinking when it gets to that not slothful in business, oh, I need to work hard at my job. Well, you ought to, but it seems like an odd thing to be placed right here in the middle of this. And I think I like the way it's worded in the Williams translation, and I'd like to read it in that. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13 in the Williams. In brotherly love, be affectionate to one another. In personal honors, put one another to the fore. Never slack in earnestness. That's that fervent in business. Never slack in earnest, earnestness. Always on fire with the Spirit. Always serving the Lord. Ever happy in hope. Always patient in suffering ever persistent in prayer, always supplying the needs of God's people, ever practicing hospitality. The reason I'm reading all those together is that's one sentence. <clears throat> so I think it's kind of neat to keep that in its context. So that the idea of not being slothful in business is translated here Never slack in earnestness, but always on fire with the Spirit. I think sometimes we become slack in our eagerness to serve and our eagerness to be a part and our, and, and our eagerness to love when someone just isn't quite easy to love. 
And so we back off, we back away, we slack off. He says never slack in earnestness, always on fire with the Spirit. We can't do these things in the brotherhood. We cannot love each other. We cannot operate as a brotherhood ought to operate on our own. It has to be through the the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So always on fire with the Spirit. Always serving the Lord. I think sometimes, at least for me, if we back away from serving the Lord and we're not fervent in our endeavors in the, in the kingdom, it's easy to begin to focus on our enemies in the brotherhood. And I say enemies in the brotherhood. No, 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 we don't have any enemies in the brotherhood. I'm talking about those people that have either hurt you or frustrated you or you can't agree with or something. And so we begin to focus on that because maybe we're just not fervent enough. We're not, and we're taking our focus off. We've got to serve the Lord. And then it says rejoicing in hope or and patient in tribulation. Or, and that goes along with our Sunday school lesson this morning, this idea of being content even in suffering, ever persistent in prayer. It's amazing what praying for your enemies will do, whether in the brotherhood or out. It doesn't always change them, but it might change you as we pray for them. Pray for them. The scripture says to pray for those that don't use you right and so forth. We'll see that as we go through. But spending time in prayer and focusing on that. So let's go on then to verse 14. It says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Well, we tend to like to bless those that bless us and weep with those that weep if they're one of our friends or someone we're close to. Or rejoice with someone that rejoices when it's someone that we want to rejoice with. But it doesn't qualify it here saying to bless them which bless you. It says bless them that persecute you. Don't be, don't give evil back. Rejoice with them that rejoice. And it doesn't say just the people you choose to rejoice with. Doesn't say just weep with those that you'd like to weep with because of what they're going through. Whoever's weeping, whoever's rejoicing in the brotherhood, we should back them up in that. Because in verse 16 it says, Be of the same mind one toward another. And when I say be, I think the scripture says, Be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things. The idea here of being of, of one mind toward one another doesn't mean that we're all going to think exactly alike. That would actually be a little scary sometimes. But it does mean that we have one mind toward each other. 
that we love each other and we think toward each other with a mind that is out of love and care. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. And be not wise in your own conceit or your own ideas or your own what you think about yourself. Condescend to men of low estate. Now, we could, if you take that outside of the brotherhood, we could say, let's go and let's visit with the people that are down and out. Let's go to the mission and be willing to share with them and have a meal with them and meet them or maybe go into to Goshen or New Paris, whatever. There are people that would be what might be considered of low estate rather than to try to just find the, the people that are up here somewhere that we can associate with. And I think that's important. I think that's one thing um, that I saw in my parents, my uh, father, my parents, that he, was, he could be a friend to anyone. We had people in our home that were not part of our culture or society or whatever. And I never felt that there was this, they weren't good enough. It was just, that's just. And so that's good. But what about in a brotherhood? Do we, are we willing to condescend or to, to stoop down to those who we maybe see us down here and someone else is up here? And, and we're, we're, so we, we don't want to get down there with them. I think that can be our attitude. It's easy. Now, now, I'm sure you're, you're thinking, well, you know, um, Terrell's up there. He's the pastor. You know, he's the shepherd. So he loves everyone equally and everything. You know, he has no trouble with uh, feeling like some people just a little harder to love than others. And um, I've never been a shepherd of sheep. I don't know, I just, well, I shouldn't say that. I did. I bought a couple sheep one time, and it didn't end well. Um, the one was a pet sheep of a family that I shouldn't have bought. I went there because somebody said he might have a sheep to sell, and I went there and found out he wanted to get rid of the sheep because it was getting out, getting on the road, and I found out it was the children's pet. I said, I don't want to buy your children's pet. No, it's got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. It's got to, well, okay. And so I went and got my truck and come back, and the sheep had been carefully hidden up in the haymow by the children by the time I got there. Dad found it. I felt awful. I told the children, well, you can come and visit the sheep. You can come and visit him. And, uh, and I went down to another neighbor bought another sheep to go with it and took him home, put him in my woods. And that pet sheep promptly died of a broken heart, I think, a couple days later. Laying out there, looked very content that he was dead. And uh, then I was really hoping those children wouldn't come to visit the sheep. And they didn't. Um, he looked so nice laying there dead, I even took a picture of him in case the children would come. I'd show him a picture of their sheep. Couldn't tell it, but. Later, the father, I met him one time, and he told me I should have never done that. He said, I learned a hard lesson. He said, my two favorite um, young workhorses, uh, 
that I was so proud of. He said that next winter they walked out on the ice, fell through and drowned. He said, I decided I shouldn't have sold the sheep. Anyway, that's a side story. I don't even know how it got in here. I've never been, so I haven't had much luck with sheep, okay? But I do have some cows. And you know, I like some of them better than others, okay? I'm not comparing you to cows this morning. But some cows are easier to like than others. Just more easy. You get along with them easier. They don't beller quite as loud as others. They just, they're just easier to care for. Have a calf, raise it, no fussing, no fighting with them. And others, you wonder why you don't sell them sooner than you do. You just, it's just how they are. But you try to take care of all of them. Try to feed them all. Try to keep them all healthy. And that's a little bit the way it is, even as a pastor. You know, this message is to me too. Do I care about everyone? Everyone. Do I care for and pray for those who maybe say things or do things or believe things maybe even that aren't accurate or something? Or do I return good? And I, I want to do that. To return good for evil. Because then, and I don't know if part of this passage seems as though he's kind of starting to just write other things and put them in here. And yet there seems to be some flow to it. Because in verse 17, right after talking about this loving each other and the brotherhood, he says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And so he's, it's kind of interesting. He throws a couple thoughts together here. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's why we ask that question at council meeting. Can you say as much? You know, as much as lies in you, you have peace with God and your fellow men. As much as lies in you. We ask that question. It doesn't mean that there's always peace, but as much as lies in you. And that's what it says here. Sometimes we do everything we can, and it just doesn't work out. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says here, follow peace with all men. And holiness. So there's, he adds something in this passage. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. That makes it pretty serious. If we're not, if we're not willing to follow peace. If we're not willing as much as lies in us. To pursue peace with all men. We're not going to see the Lord. And then what's interesting is, and that sentence doesn't end there either at the end of 14. It says, looking diligently or being very careful, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So if we're not following peace and holiness diligently, it says we can uh, fail of the grace of God. And then he says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, and it continues on talking about that. But notice, 
in this same sentence where he's talking about following peace and holiness and being careful, says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And that's what can happen so easily. If we're not pursuing peace, if we're not practicing the idea of loving others, caring about others, even if it's not someone that is our favorite person. And so then we begin to just hold them at arm's length or we have an attitude about it. Then that little root of bitterness sets in and we become bitter at someone. And bitterness grows. And it's interesting that it says here, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby only you will be defiled. No, that's not what it says. Many be defiled. I've observed through the years that you let someone become bitter about something, and sometimes... When you get right down to the root of it, you look at it, it's like, what? They've let that bother them all these years? What in the world? But then there could be something that I've let bother me that someone else would look at and say, what? Why'd you let that get to you? But this bitterness thing grows and grows and grows, and I... I think about when we moved to where we live now. That back, that little back pasture had thorn bushes, and they were the kind of thorn bushes that I remember down at Akron, there in the woods. I mean, those things were thorn bushes. They had thorns on them. They weren't those little prickly raspberry things. I don't even know what they are, but they're nasty. And and they were all over back there. And I tried cutting them down. I tried getting rid of them. And I think. Only thing I can figure out is I don't know if they spread through the root system or they just, I, I don't know, but sometime there was one thorn bush ended up in that field. And over time, it was a bunch of them. And I tried different things to kill them. And finally, one time over at TNT, I said, What do I do? He said, Oh, you need to take a can of this stuff home. And gave me this little jar of little pellets and and I said, go around and throw those little pellets there at the roots. It rains on that and it goes down and it'll kill the root system. He said, but don't put it close to trees and that. Anything you want to live, keep it away. And so I don't have any thorn bushes. I still fight a few thistles down there, but no thorn bushes anymore. Got rid of them. Sprinkled that stuff around. And it went down. It killed the roots. But all it took was one to get into the field. And you know what? We had to kill them at the roots to get rid of it. And I think that can happen in a brotherhood. Someone no longer has peace with someone and the root of bitterness springs up and that root of bitterness grows and grows. And it spreads through the root system and eventually it says many are defiled. People tend to pick up other people's offenses. And the Bible says that's not wise. 
For one thing, God doesn't even give you grace to carry someone else's offenses. He'll give you grace to deal with what happens to you. If you try to pick up somebody else's offense, how they were offended, and I'm not saying we don't help people when they're mistreated. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying if you begin to become bitter about what happened to someone else because of something someone else said, usually you don't have the whole story anyway, and you're getting, you're getting upset, you're getting offended, and then you become bitter, and then someone else becomes bitter, and someone else, and pretty soon many are defiled. And it could be, given time, Many will fail from the grace of God and never see God because of that. So be careful in your life. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, we're back in Romans here. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, or don't go after wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so, if someone says something or does something or someone with a gift, different gift approaches something differently and you just want to get back at them, no. The Bible says we don't avenge. It's not what we do. We don't do that. We don't, get, we don't go there. And if someone has truly wronged us, if someone has sinned against us, if someone has hurt us, someone has done that, says here that vengeance is mine, I'll repay, saith the Lord. Now, I want to tell you something. If your attitude is, boy, I can't wait till God brings about that vengeance, then you know something? It goes right back to what we looked at in Proverbs, where he says, if you basically rejoice in someone else's failing, God sees it, He'll probably back away and not do anything anyway. I think forgiveness in this setting is like this. God, this person has hurt me. This person has brought done evil to me. This person has done something wrong. But you don't have to do anything to that person because of my hurt. If that person would be benefited by you bringing something into their life, vengeance, whatever, then that's up to you, God. But for my sake, you don't have to do anything. I'm okay. And in the meantime, therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And maybe that's more applicable out there in the culture we live in. Maybe it's more applicable to something that happens to us from someone that's not part of the brotherhood. But I do think, even in the brotherhood, returning good to someone that has hurt us, returning good to someone that maybe we just struggle to deal with, will do us and them both good and bring about friendships and an understanding that we won't get if we do not follow after peace and pursue peace with all men. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. When we first 
uh, started the message here. We're looking there in Proverbs that if First uh, Peter chapter one, if someone, if you fail, get back up. You fail, get back up. And I think that is applicable to this area as well. Maybe you have failed in your relationship with someone. Try again. Maybe you've failed to respond correctly in situations. Try again. Don't give up. Try again. Continue to work at that. Maybe someone has failed in their attempt to reach out to you as well, and you hope they try again and and do that. Do we rejoice in other people's successes? Do we look forward to their failures? How do we operate, especially within the brotherhood? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned or genuine love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Why? Because we're being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Seeing that we have purified our souls, we love each other with an unfeigned love, with a pure heart, and we do it earnestly. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just come to you right now and thank you for the brotherhood here. Thank you for each one. Thank you for the fact, Lord, that you put us together with our different gifts and our different settings. I pray, Lord, that we would all be willing to use our gifts, that we would use them with fervor in the brotherhood, and that we would also love each other with fervor in the brotherhood. Help us, Lord, to be hospitable, to reach out to others, to love each other with pure hearts and without hypocrisy the way you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.